Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Thank you, Charlotte. Just going to kick over that mat so I don't trip on it. <laughs> so the first reading comes from John 13, 1 to 5. Just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come to leave this world to go to the Father. Having loved his dear companions, he continued to love them right to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that that was wrapped around him. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and, and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that you also should do just as I have done to you. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, One of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then, after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. And then he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd And the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? So they took Jesus and he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him. And with him, two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. 
Well, good Friday. It's good to see all of your smiling faces. It's good to be back in the house and uh, it's good to be able to worship together, isn't it, with fun and freedom. And uh, of course, we're not just talking about the, uh, the freedom that government regulations can give us, but today we remember the fun and freedom that only comes through Jesus, that came through Jesus upon the cross on that Good Friday. And uh, so, yeah, we have this two-part series that we are calling Washed and Restored. And uh, so we pray that you will leave this place knowing what it is to be washed and restored. Why would, why would this Jesus fellow who we have never met want to wash our feet to restore our soul? What does it truly mean to be washed and redeemed? In Matthew eleven nineteen, there were some people that were actually uh, against Jesus. And one of the criticisms that they had of Jesus was that they said of him, Look at him, he's a friend of sinners. He's a friend of sinners. What does it mean to have Jesus as your friend? Do you have Jesus as your friend? Because I believe that Jesus didn't wear that as a thing of condemnation, but that it was a badge of honor for him that he was called friend of sinners. And I don't know about you, but I've been thinking about friendship, the importance of friendship. Because we can kind of tend to think that friendship is something that you need when you're young. When you're in the schoolyard and you need to make it through the, the day at school, you kind of need friends when you're at school. On social media, you kind of need friends. But what about for us today? What about in the real world? Not just in the schoolyard, not just on social media. Do we actually need friends. One of the things that people told me when I first took this, uh, this job was that that then means you can't have friends. You can't, you can't have, if you're a senior pastor of a church, it means you need to be there for the people. It means that you need to listen to them. But the people, they can't handle being your friend. So, you know, this whole thing of, of leadership means... You have no friends. But I think I'm more in need of friends than just about anyone else in the room. I need your prayers. I need your encouragement. I need your support. And if I am going to be a good leader, then we need to lead by example and... This day of all days actually teaches us that we need Jesus as our friend. It's not just an optional extra. It's not just something to help us through the, through the schoolyard. It's not just something so that we have extra likes on our Instagram posts and different things like that. No, we need Jesus as 
our friend. This was highlighted to me uh, last week when we uh, went to Melbourne. So I've got a couple of stories that I want to share from, from our trip and, and the need and the importance of friendship. So if you're taking notes, uh, there's three points uh, that we're going to look at today. Three things that friends do. So friends fight for you. Friends jump first. And friends stay close. Friends fight for you, friends jump first, and friends stay close. So firstly, fantastic fight for you. So again, lots of people have said, oh, you know, how was your trip to Melbourne? Looked amazing, looked fantastic, and it kind of was. But again, Instagram kind of only tells part of the story. You only show the good stuff, don't you, on Instagram. But what you didn't see about my trip was that... uh, on the Monday night when we first arrived in Melbourne, it was about 10 o'clock at night and I had booked this beautiful Airbnb for the four of us to be able to stay in right across the road from a, from a train station so we could make our way uh, into Melbourne. And we were there, we were exhausted after the, after the drive and we were just looking forward to getting to bed and getting to sleep. Uh, but as I'm there and I'm looking for the key, uh, I can't find the key no key to the Airbnb. It's supposed to be in this lockbox outside and I uh, can't find it anywhere but I'm just like not worried. Got a confirmation email yesterday even though I booked it months before because I knew that all the accommodation would be gone because of the Grand Prix. Um, got a confirmation email yesterday saying everything is set for you, the key is here. Uh, so I'll just call and I'll find out where this key is. So I call up the number uh, and it's this sort of agency that's managing all these uh, properties. And they say, oh, uh, the owner of that property decided two weeks ago that he's staying there. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I got a confirmation. Where, where does that leave me right now? And uh, the lady goes, well, sorry, sir, but... Uh, there's nothing we can do. And I said, that's not entirely true. There is a whole bunch of things that you can do. Uh, you know, fair enough, a mistake has, has, been, has been made, and I understand that, and it would have been good for you to tell me that two weeks ago, so I could have arranged a, a refund, arranged different accommodation, but now we're in this spot where this mistake has happened and it is going to cost someone something. It's your mistake. If you do nothing, it's going to cost me. But you do have an opportunity to do something at cost to yourself for making the mistake. So, what are you going to do? Who are you going to decide is going to bear the cost of this? And she says, sorry sir, nothing I can do, and hung up. (laughs) So I contact Airbnb, and they say, oh, you know, we're really sorry that this happened, sir. Um, You know, we uh, will give you a, a full refund. 
And I said, okay, that's great. When is that refund actually going to make it into my account? And they said, it'll be there next week, sir. I'm like, okay. This is the most attended sporting event in the history of Australia. Everything is booked out. And I'm standing here, it's now 11 o'clock on the side of the road. I said to her, like, I'm on the phone and I'm saying, I'm literally standing here right now watching a man's feet dangle out of a... Uh, out of a bin as he's trying to find some clothes or something in the bin. There's rats running past. I now have no money and no accommodation, like, because my money's not going to come back in. Uh, so what are we, we going to do? So she says, here is what I'm going to do for you, sir. She's like, you go and you book any hotel you like, any hotel in Melbourne. For the four of you, for the entire week. You keep your receipt and you send it in to us, and in a week's time, we will refund you $150 credit. And so I just said, that is not going to solve my problem. There are no hotels. $150, I would have to book two rooms, and like, this is not just going to happen. So she's like, just, uh, you know, we're giving you this offer, we'll send you the voucher, uh, think it over and we'll get back to you, we'll see how, see how you go. Anyway, finally, my friend Roselle rings me up. Now, I didn't know Roselle, she is from Airbnb, lovely Filipino lady who comes onto the phone and finally, I have a friend who's fighting for me. She rings me up and she's like, Sir, I can see what's going on. I can see everything that's happening on the screen. She's like, please do not accept that offer that they're giving you for the $150 because you're not going to have any money left for the rest of your holiday. So she went out and she found us some uh, accommodation for the four of us. She gave us over 60% off of the cost of the holiday and she sped up uh, the return of our uh, funds into our account. So it was only three days or so, but we had funds in there. So she fought for us. There was a friend that I needed in that moment that fought for us when I couldn't fight for myself. There was nothing I could do. Secondly, friends jump first. So this new accommodation that we were staying at, it was quite a way out of the city, but it was all that was available. So we were happy to take it. It was out near uh, the Dandenong Ranges, for those that know that area. And uh, so we looked up and we saw that there were some things to do out there. So we went and we did this uh, treetop climb. And... Uh, so basically what it was is there were zip lines, there was all sorts of different you know, games and activities and different things that you could do sort of you know, 10 to 15 metres up in the tree line uh, uh, down at uh, Dandenong there in, sort of in this beautiful jungle kind of area. Now, some of you might think, that is the last thing that I would want to do on my holidays, hanging from you know, these tall things and different things like that. 
uh, why would you pay good money to be terrified? Um, but we, we did. We, uh, so both Linda and Michaela were kind of a little bit afraid of the, the height and different things like that, but we sort of pressed on and uh, we were having a great time. So basically, you're hooked on by a wire the whole time. And so you've got to sort of click the next one on in order to... So you're sort of never disconnected from these wire sort of safety nets and this harness that you're, that you're wearing. And you sort of... That leads you through this obstacle course from tree to tree to tree. Um, some of the obstacle courses take like an hour to get through. So anyway, we're going on this um, obstacle course up in the treetops. And then all of a sudden we get to the end of the course, uh, but the problem was we weren't yet on the ground. In fact, we were nowhere near the ground. We were 15 metres in the air on a tiny little tree with a little platform that was just a little bit wider than the width of my shoe. And so the three of us were sort of standing up there kind of going, what now? Then I look up and I see hanging from a branch above is this uh, retractable uh, rope with a carabiner on the end of it. So I thought, okay, this must be the way forward. So I hold on to the, to the wire cable, lean out as far as I can, grab the rope, pull it down, attach the carabiner to my harness and uh, I look to the other guys and I go, I guess I jump. <laughs> We're up there by ourselves, there was no one else there, there was no instructors, there was nothing indicating what we were to do or not to do, but I thought, well, if I stay here for too long or I look too afraid, which I kind of am a little bit afraid, then they're definitely not going to go. So I'm just, you know, so to put it in perspective, 15, like the, the water uh, underneath the Murray Bridge bridge is 9.1 metres to the, to the bridge. So it's a lot higher than the bridge. So I'm standing there and if you're not aware, the ground is kind of a lot harder than the water. <laughs> but I'm just like... I've just got to do this. So I jump and I lived. <laughs> the rope caught me and just ever so gently lowered me to the ground. That was exactly what we were supposed to do. Uh, but true friends jump first. And thirdly, true friends stay close. So next, the reason that we were there, we went to the Grand Prix. Uh, so we're there on race day. I went to one of the security guards right at the start of the day, and I said, look, what happens at the end of the race? Like, I kind of want to see the, the podium. I want to see, you know, uh, be in that celebration. Like, but, you know, we couldn't afford to get like, right onto the you know, pit straight. Um, all the tickets were gone. The whole thing was sort of sold out. But I said do they let us out? And he said, well, my official answer is no. However, generally what happens at these things is there's too many people here and they just break through and, uh, you know, but he said, you have to be quick because the podium takes place not long after. And so anyway, so we 
sit down, we, we watch the race, the race was amazing, and then when their race was over, our race began. So we had to race down, sure enough, people had busted through the barriers, and so we did too, we went down through, we ran out onto the track, and we ran down, uh, we got to see uh, Charles Leclerc uh, take the podium, which was amazing. The only problem was, is that 140,000 other fans had the exact same idea. Which ordinarily, you know, just all part of the fun, all part of the adventure, and uh, that was great. However, we realised that uh, Michaela's phone had stopped working that morning. So, and we had been separated in the crowd because the crowd was so... Uh, so intense, so many people at the thing. And so there we were in this sea of people, just people everywhere with no way of contacting each other or contacting Michaela to find out where she was. So did we just say, oh well, we've still got one daughter left. We'll just make our way... No, of course we didn't. We said, we are not leaving this track until we find her. You, you go this way, I'm going to go this way. You know, I was climbing up the fence on the side of the thing. I was, we were doing all this different stuff. But eventually, we found Michaela and brought her back. So, true friends fight for you. True friends jump first, and true friends stay close. And this is what Jesus did for us on the cross. He fought for us. Someone had to pay for the mistakes that we had made. It was either going to be us or him. But he knew that for us it would mean death. And so he fought for us and he paid the price for our mistake, even with his very own life. He jumped first. He didn't wait until he knew that we were going to be okay. He didn't wait and see if we could get through this life, you know, by ourselves. No, he knew that we were going to fall. And because he knew, because it was a certainty that we were going to fall, he decided that he would jump first, that he would put his life on the line, that he would jump first into that pit, into sin and death, so that we would be okay. And he came close. He wouldn't leave us crowded by our sin, crowded by our death. He would not leave us there alone. He would not leave the cross until he could cry out, It is finished. When he knew that we were with him, that we could be with him eternally. 
He needed to draw us close. Because Jesus is the friend that we need. And you're probably thinking, yeah, I need those things. I, I know that I need Jesus as a friend. I know that he's the friend that I need. But I haven't been the friend that Jesus needed. So maybe all of those things that I need, I, I, do, I do need someone to fight for me. I, I, I do need someone to jump first. I, I do need someone to stay close to me. And I would desperately love it to be Jesus. I desperately love him to be that friend for me. But I haven't been that friend to him. So maybe all of those things just aren't accessible to me. Because I haven't been that good friend to him. I've failed him. I've betrayed him. I've walked away. But let us think back to the passages of Scripture that Belinda just read out. And as we do that, we're going to think about things from the perspective of Judas. Judas was not a good friend to Jesus. He betrayed him. He sold him. All of the whippings, the beatings, the crown of thorns, the, the nails in his hands, in his feet, the cross, the, the abandonment and the death that he suffered was all because Judas made this decision to not be his friend anymore. But even though Judas decided not to be Jesus' friend, did Jesus decide to stop being a friend of Judas? The passage makes it quite clear that Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. He saw all the atrocities. He, he knew what was, what was coming. And he knew that Judas was going to be the one to betray him. That Jesus was the catalyst to start off these events. And so with all that foreknowledge in mind, with knowing the pain and the suffering and the anguish that he was about to go through, this is why he decided that he would wash all of the other disciples' feet except for Judas. Because to wash someone's feet was to serve them. Was to show honor and respect to them that in that day that the washing of the feet was something that was, that was done as part of a, a covenant. It was saying that there is a promise that has been made and that promise is going to be fulfilled. And so they would wash the feet, hold the shoe of the, of the person that they would wash the feet of. And so that is why Jesus decided that he could never wash Judas's feet. 
But that's not what happened, is it? He knew what Judas was going to do, but he still washed his feet. He still washed his feet. But that's why he refused to share a meal with him. Because a meal, that if you shared a meal with someone, it, it was saying that it's someone that you want to be with. And if you shared the same bowl as someone else, you shared the, the, same, the same cutlery as someone else, well, that showed deep intimacy, deep friendship. And so this holy, loving, perfect Son of God could never and would never share a meal with someone who he knew was not a friend to him. Someone who he, he knew was going to abandon him, was going to stab him in the back, was going to do all of these horrific things to him. So that is why he passed over Judas when it came to sharing the bread and sharing the cup. I know it doesn't say that either. It says that he, he didn't wait for Judas to break the bread first so that he could then reject him and shove it back in his face. No, Jesus jumped first. He broke the bread first, dipped it in the plate, and shared it with Judas, knowing what he was going to do. This is why he had to refuse to let Judas kiss him. I mean, a kiss. There, is there anything more intimate, more, more loving between two friends than, than a kiss? I mean, these lips that had spoken lies, that had spoken venom, these lips that had cursed him, that had done all these things, how could he let these lips touch his skin? How could he let someone so close... Surely he would not let those lips kiss him. But he did. He allowed Judas to come so close to kiss him on the cheek. Because... Jesus remained a friend to Judas, even when Judas was not a friend to him. And friends, we need to know and understand, I'm Judas. You're Judas. We haven't done what we were supposed to do. We have not been good friends. We have been disobedient. We've wanted to do things our way. We haven't thought of God of that. 
Jesus still fought for us. He jumped first. And he stayed close. That if Jesus was here right now and the presence of the living God is here right now, you need to know, church. You need to know, friends, that in spite of everything that you have done, he would still wash your feet and he would still restore your soul. Because that is who he is. He is a good friend. So today, on Good Friday, I ask you, who is your friend? Because you need a friend like Jesus. And before you answer and discount yourself You need to know that it's not about how tightly you can grasp hold of him, how good a friend you are to him. But it's all about how tightly he is grasping you. How good of a friend is he to you? In Philippians 2, 4-9, it says this, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is what being a good friend is all about. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death upon a cross. So if Jesus isn't he's embracing his humanity. We're going to have a look at a short video clip. It's from The Passion, so please make sure that you read the subtitles at the top of the screen.
Jesus didn't grasp at his divinity. But he embraced his humanity. He embraced the cross. That guy wasn't his friend. It was the closest person to him as he hung there on the cross. But it was not his friend. But somehow, some way, Jesus still embraced the cross. He embraced the cross not because it was easy or because it brought him comfort or because it was even necessary for him. Jesus embraced the cross because on the cross is where our sin belonged. Jesus is a friend of sinners. Jesus embraced the cross because it was the only way that he could embrace us. It's the only way that he could embrace you. With all of our sin, with all of our guilt, with all of our shame, he so desperately wanted to embrace you that he was willing to embrace the cross to grasp hold of you to grasp hold of you so tightly that he would never let you go because it's not about how tightly you can hold him but how tightly he holds you In a moment, we're going to begin. We'll make sure that you get one. Because just like he did for Judas, Jesus invites you to the table. He invites you to be a part of the meal, that he jumped first, that he allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be shed for you. But as we prepare for that, we're to be washed. We're going to be washed by worship. As Michaela comes and leads us in this song which asks that question how can you refuse him now after everything that he's done after the friendship that he has shown to you how could we refuse the one who would fight for us who would jump first longs to stay close to you. Lead us, thanks team.
like to stand prepare your elements in your hand Father we are so thankful that you didn't leave us we are so thankful that you fought for us, 
that you jumped first. And that right now you are close. When we were faithless, you remained faithful, faithful even to death upon the cross. So Lord, we echo the words to that song in our hearts. How could we refuse you now? How could we refuse someone that would love us so much? How could we refuse a friend who sticks closer than a brother? Who would allow his body to be broken and his blood to be shed for us? So, Father, as together we now consume these elements, Lord, let it remind us of how close you are. That you are not just with us, but in us, as it promises in your word. That you wish to be closer than close. That just as you allowed Judas on that fateful day to come and kiss you on the cheek, that you would come this morning and kiss us. That you would come and be with us. So Father, as we consume these elements, we not only consume a little bit of bread and a little bit of the fruit of the vine, but Lord, we consume your friendship. We consume your forgiveness. We consume your redemption. We consume your restoration as you wash us. Make us clean and restore our soul. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's eat and drink together. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember... The door is always open for you at LifeHouse. God's house, our home.